0: Right. If you haven't been here for a couple of weeks, uh, this will be new for you. But uh, we're going to start with the Word of God. All right? Is that okay? Do you mind if we start with the Word of God tonight? This is something that uh, that God has laid very strongly on on Greg's heart, and something we're all carrying now. That that we would enter into God's presence from the very start. That we wouldn't use music to try to move people to a place where they're ready to receive what God has. But we would turn up here. Expectant, hungry for what God has, and we'll tune in straight away. So the word of God is going to set the tone for everything we do tonight. You you okay with that? All right. Well let's pray. Father God, yeah, that works if your word comes now. So Lord, we just want to pray that your word would be spoken, your word would go out, and that we would have soft hearts to receive it, Lord. I pray even now you'd be building expectation within us and building faith to receive what you have now. Faith to step into it. Courage, boldness to take this and do something with it. So Lord, we pray that you would manifest yourself now, you'd manifest your truth. Lord, that we'd receive that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, my name's Clay, if we haven't met before. All right. And my mum's here tonight. Oh. Hey, mum. I love preaching to mum. Yeah, all the way from Auckland to hear me preach. Yeah. Right, let's preach it then. Seeing lives transformed into the likeness of Jesus so that we know him, uh, so that we love others, and so that we walk together in unity is what the Rock Church exists for. This is why God has gathered us together and has built a family among us. And this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to know God, to love others, and to walk together in unity. Making disciples is the job that Jesus has left us on this planet for. Pretty much every other thing we could do in eternity, he's left for that. The purpose of the church is not to worship. We will worship for eternity. The reason why we're on the planet now is the one thing that we can't do when we're in heaven. That is make disciples. But I think somewhere along the way, we've misunderstood what a disciple really is. In Matthew 28, 19, 20, Jesus' words are recorded. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. notice Jesus doesn't say, uh, go therefore and make converts. He doesn't say, go and make people more religious. But for some reason, that's what a lot of churches end up doing. If I was honest, I'd say that I spent a good part of my career doing that. Either making converts at a camp or making people more religious, more like myself. Jesus commissioned us to go and make disciples. This is a word that means so much more than convert. In fact, it doesn't mean that at all. And it means a lot more even than the word student, which it is often associated with. A disciple is a follower. It's an imitator. And it's more like an apprentice, someone who has their hands in the job and not just accumulating knowledge. Jesus commanded us to make disciples and to teach them everything that he himself taught. But he wasn't telling us just to pass on knowledge. He was calling us to equip people to live according to that knowledge. A disciple aspires to follow in the footsteps of his master and to become like him in all ways possible. Because the master that we aspire to be like is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. So we've got our work cut out for ourselves It's hard to be like Jesus if you've given it a go. Discipleship is one of my greatest passions, and it's been the biggest part of my career for the last 14 years. And on the eve of the commencement of a major new discipleship initiative here at The Rock, I wanted just to to take a little time just to talk about the kind of environment where powerful transformational discipleship actually happens. In Matthew 5, Mark 2, Luke chapter 6, and John 3, we see Jesus launch a teaching ministry that saw him take 12 very unlikely and totally unqualified men. And he took them on an educational journey that did not so much replace obsolete knowledge with new knowledge, but rather replace the way that they thought about everything they knew. He replaced frameworks and paradigms and worldviews. Jesus did not teach in such a way to fill his disciples' heads with knowledge. He taught to transform their lives. This journey with Jesus became an intense tutorial on what would prove a very different perspective on life. Their spiritual knowledge, while it was growing all the time, was still very limited. And their understanding of what Jesus meant by the kingdom was woefully deficient. But this was to be expected early on because Jesus had only just begun to reveal what the kingdom really was. So they listened as Jesus gave sermon after sermon, sometimes clarifying a point of Jewish law, but in most cases turning it completely on its head. Everything that they knew about life and the law of God was being revolutionized. These were very challenging concepts. The disciples were being told that Jesus expects a practical, everyday transformation in the lives of his people. There would be no more of the dry, powerless religion that they had acquired through their life. That religion that uh, required them to tithe their herbs and their spices, while at the same time they could completely ignore the poor. Peter and the other disciples were not going to understand these new teachings until they first unlearned a number of things. They needed to unlearn the religious law that had been handed down to them from the Pharisees. Or at very least, unlearn the way that it had been taught to them. The rabbis had taught them that they could live by the letter of the law without any regard to the spirit of the law. The teaching of Jesus opened the law wide so that people could see the heart of God in his commands. From Jesus, they learned that adultery starts in the heart and not in the bed, that murder can be emotional as well as physical, and that the contemporary attitudes about divorce were unacceptable because they victimized women and destabilized the pillar of marriage in society. Jesus told them they must forgive others if they expected to be forgiven, and he pointed out the hypocrisy of worshiping money while professing to worship God. He admonished them about their judgmental tendencies exposed their blatant hypocrisy and warned them of the futile profession of empty faith that was not substantiated with an authentic life of faithful obedience. Jesus ripped down one misconception after another so that his disciples would come to see what the kingdom of God was really about. And he postscripted this revolutionary teaching by saying that just listening to what he said was not enough. And we get accustomed to listening, just like you're listening now, every week, twice on Sundays, sermon after sermon. I'm sure I will say nothing tonight that you haven't heard before. And we listen and we listen. And so often the words don't go anywhere and they don't do anything. So they had listened and they had probably listened more than we have because the instruction for uh, for Jewish children growing up in this time was huge. They could recite large tracts of scripture, even as little kids. It was phenomenal. But somehow, God's word wasn't finding a root in their heart. Jesus was unveiling a completely different worldview, a worldview that he preached from the same scriptures that the religious leaders taught from. But with true knowledge, insight, wisdom, authority, and power, he was presenting a spiritual experience that influenced every dimension of life not just what happened at the synagogue and not just what you did on the Sabbath Jesus was saying but they were not hearing that the kingdom he had come to establish was not a political realm it was a spiritual one it was all about the rule of God in the hearts of men and women and it would be rooted in their hearts by an understanding of God's love for sinners and would produce in them a love for this God of grace and a love for those he'd created. But they had a long way to go before they grasped that message. Now, this was all very weighty stuff, a completely new paradigm. And to receive something like this, something that is completely different from what you thought you knew, you need to have a very particular attitude. This was not an attitude that I have carried most of my believing life. The attitude that you need to receive that, something that is completely different, that is a completely new revelation from God, is a very humble heart. A humble heart recognizes that you don't know everything. A humble heart recognizes you might have got a few things wrong. A humble heart recognizes there is more that God has to teach you. A humble heart recognizes that God might teach you and reveal to you things from the most unlikely of people. That's how He established His church. The the leaders of the, the early church who, in God's Spirit, built an organization which uh, which completely transformed the world, were fishermen mostly old tax collectors one guy had a religious background but he'd spent a good part of his career tracking down christians and trying to kill them but he becomes the church's greatest teacher god teaches us through very unlikely people sometimes people like me but only if we have a humble heart to receive And this is something that God's been certainly working in my heart over the last four or five years. The idea that he has things he wants to show me, but I have to be humble and let him show me the way he wants to and through who he wants to. As I shared a couple of weeks ago, recently, it's actually been through a three-year-old girl, my little daughter, Sean, who was taking me to a new place in worship. As I see someone who was not weighed down with a burden of of theology or misinterpreted experience and just reaches out to God. So now I'm starting to get a lot more of what Jesus says when you've got to come to me like a little child and that the kingdom of God um, belongs to such as these. When I see my little girl reach up to God and it's just so uncomplicated, I'm like, oh, how can I unburden myself of all the stuff I've got so I can be like that? She just believes So Shawnee has got a humble heart and she just reaches out for God. And so she is very teachable right now. And so as her earthly daddy, what I'm thinking is how can I create an environment for her where it stays like that for as long as possible? Teachable, humble, so she can just reach out to God and receive everything that he has for her. And I want to, I want that as well, of course. A teachable spirit is hungry for God's word and is thirsty for new revelation. There was a time, as I've said recently, when I thought I had pretty much everything worked out. I thought I'd read enough textbooks to pretty much be able to cover all the theological bases, but that wasn't changing my life at all. Praise God, these brought me to a place now where I understand. And have faith in the fact that there must be so much more than what I have. And I need there to be more. And so, bit by bit, God is opening me, opening me up to receive more of what he has. How teachable are we? How open are we to receiving something new or to challenging teachings we have held onto from the past? a hard heart and a closed mind could well be holding us back from receiving what God has for us. And I wouldn't read anything into my wording of new revelation because I don't believe that God is bringing us anything new. It's been there the whole time. We just miss it. God has already showed us, revealed to us everything that he has for us. Our eyes have just been closed and our, our ears have been plugged. So we've missed it but it's been there the whole time. It says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. There really isn't. We just need to tune in. After commanding us to make disciples and to instruct them thoroughly in his teachings, Jesus assures us in Matthew 28 that he will always be with us to the very end of the age. What did he mean by that? We could probably excuse uh, the confusion of what is now the 11 disciples who he's speaking to here. Because the very next thing that that happens after he says, I will never leave you, is that he leaves them. Pretty much straight away, he ascends to heaven in a cloud. That would be one of your tensions from this morning, Greg. (laughs) What? (laughs) I will never leave you. See you later. Okay, so, um, yeah, so uh, surely he wasn't going to contradict himself immediately. So maybe he meant something else than a strictly literal interpretation of that. Perhaps, let's assume he meant, I'll be with you in spirit. Now, that's a term we use. We say that, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be with you in spirit. I can't go to your wedding, other side of the world, but I'll be with you in spirit. And what we mean when we say that is not, my spirit will leave my body and be transported to the United Kingdom where I will manifest myself among you. That would be cool. That's a cool spiritual gift, that one. The spiritual gift of astral projection. Uh, Yeah, I don't have that one. Um, So that's not what we mean. What we mean is I'll be thinking of you and we say, I'll be with you in spirit. That's not what Jesus meant. When Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age, he didn't mean I'll be thinking of you later. He meant my spirit, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will be with you, will be in you, and will be with you till the end of the age. That's what he meant. He meant it literally. Why do we need his spirit? Why did he have to leave his spirit with us? Well, Because without his spirit, we can't actually do what he just called us to do. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot make disciples. You cannot equip them to follow Jesus' teachings. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Without the Holy Spirit, we have no power. Power comes with the Holy Spirit. Jesus' preaching, his teaching, the the preaching of the apostles came with power as they demonstrated God was with them. Their words had a weight of authority that comes from the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost in Jerusalem, full of the Holy Spirit, Peter gets up and preaches. And there is power and authority on his words. And he didn't perform a miracle right there and then. He just preached the gospel in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people gave their hearts to the Lord there. That's preaching in the Holy Spirit. To receive spiritual truth, we need the spirit of truth. And that is my next point. Discipleship, the transformation of a person into a total follower of Jesus is a process that can only happen in engagement with the Holy Spirit. I think for too long, we've been trying to do it without it, without him. Remember that Jesus preached from the same scriptures that the Pharisees did, but somehow the truth that he revealed from those scriptures was so different to the shallow understanding that the Pharisees had. Why? Why? What was different? See that the Pharisees would have had a a broader theological education. Jesus would have studied as a as a, as a young boy, but he then apprenticed as, as a carpenter with his with his adopted dad, whereas many of these Pharisees would have pursued their the education further they were really could I could recite so much of the scriptures, they really knew it. But somehow, the carpenter's son was finding in there truth that they, they couldn't even see. The one thing that Jesus had that they didn't was the Holy Spirit. Too much of my life was spent seeking God in his word on my own, using my own intellect. And so I only found a little of what he really had there. I don't believe I'm alone in that. When we try to read God's word, hear his voice, and understand his message without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, we usually fail to see the kingdom he is trying to show us. We often miss the point altogether, just as his first disciples did time and time again until Jesus left them with this parting gift. In Luke 24, verse 45, he says, He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. There was a block there. It was their own intellect. They filled the gap with their own understanding, their own thinking. But they needed to have his thinking, his mind. So he opened their mind so they could see and understand. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, Luke starts In my former book, Theophilus. I wrote all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Jesus taught through the Holy Spirit, gave them understanding through the Holy Spirit. The disciples had Jesus' teachings and they had access to the scriptures, but they needed the Holy Spirit to activate it, to illuminate it and to make sense of it and then entrench it in their hearts. Jesus himself said in John 14, from verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Verse 26, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. There are deeper truths in God's word that we're missing because we are not looking with our spiritual eyes open. Bible study is not an academic exercise. It is a spiritual exercise. You can study the Bible at university. They've got papers on it. But that study isn't transforming lives because that is not an encounter with God's spirit. It's not really an encounter with his truth at all. King David prayed in Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. This isn't new. This is old. A man after God's own heart recognized he needed God himself to open his eyes so he could see what God had for him. See, that's going to be our prayer every Wednesday night when we come together in our new discipleship environment, Ignite. We're kicking this off next weekend because we recognize that nothing good, nothing lasting, nothing of eternal significance is going to happen in this discipleship course or in anything we're trying to do in God without a thorough engagement in the Holy Spirit. If he is not our teacher, we're not going to learn anything that we really need. And that is why we will launch this course with a night of dedicated engagement with the Holy Spirit. A night where we seek his presence and open ourselves up to his ministry. Praying that he will open our eyes and open our ears and soften our hearts. That he will move us and shape our attitudes so that we can receive what he has for us. That he will make us more teachable that he will be building in us a hunger for him and more of his truth. So next, next Saturday, we're going to come here and we're going to worship. We're going to wait on him. Our elders will be here to lay hands on us and pray for us and impart anointing as God has laid it upon them. And we will be seeking God to ignite the spark of faith that he has planted within us and stoke it into a fire that consumes everything that's not of him. I know there's things in me that are holding me back from receiving more of what he has for me. There's attitudes, there's mindsets, there's false truth, there's ego. I want him to burn that up. Hopefully that's not going to be too painful a process. But I need that to happen in me. So what's left is something that he can really work with. What's left is someone who's humble. And we'll let him do his work in me. I know a lot of time we pray that God would, you know, fix me, God, change me, shape me. We pray the words, but we don't actually let him do it. We still hold on tightly to all kinds of idols inside of us, all kinds of attitudes and mindsets. Things that we've used to protect ourselves in the past. We don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable for God to do in us what he needs to do. So what I'm hoping is as we're in a prophetic environment where God's voice is coming freely and people are tuned into what the Spirit's saying, that in that environment we'll get a better sense of what we need to let go of so that what's left is people who are vulnerable and let the Spirit do in us the work He wants to do. So that's that's next Saturday here at 7pm and that will kick off an environment we're looking to recreate every week. Wednesday nights, we're going to be meeting here, and we want to, to come in expectant and hungry for God, expectant that he's going to move, and expectant of an engagement with God's spirit. Because in that environment, we will come to understand and see so much more. We will see a deeper meaning in the scriptures that we've had before, and his word will be able to renew our minds. So don't expect just a series of dry lectures. Expect, rather, an encounter with God. This course seeks to engage us constantly with His Holy Spirit as we dig deep into His Word. It's about imparting truth in a way that transforms us rather than just disseminating doctrine. This might be very different to any other discipleship course or Bible college study you've done before. Having done a bit of seminary study myself, As we create this, we're seeing this is nothing like what I've done before. It's life all over it. I'm very excited. So if you haven't signed up yet, we've got a table down the back there to receive registrations, and we will be closing registrations tonight. So please uh, put your, your details down there, and we'll be in touch during the week. How much does it cost to do the course? We're not going to charge uh, for, for this course. Um, hopefully, we don't ever have to charge for it. But the the leadership, the elders, place such a high value on this discipleship environment that we don't want to let money be a barrier to anyone receiving it. So uh, the church is going to absorb the cost. And it's costing, or probably going to cost a bit to put this on, but uh, it's that important to us. So it'll cost nothing, and you even get uh, free dinner. <laughs> But no, we um, we really believe in this thing, and we this is an environment we would we would like to see the whole church move through, and that's because uh, we're looking to relay foundations for all of us that we would be unified in our understanding, that uh, we would we would have the same truth to work from. Now, don't be freaked out. There's going to be nothing, you know. That's weird and uh, heretical. But we're going to go deeper, perhaps, um, in some ways than maybe you've you've seen before, and uh, maybe one night, one week, you'll be you'll have a lot greater revelation than you did another. Some stuff won't be new for you, some will. But if, if we can walk this together as a church, the unity that God's going to build on this is going to be amazing. But yeah, after this one, we'll be looking to to run this course regularly so that we can continue to lead people through it. In closing, Peter and the disciples received the word straight from the Master, but they didn 't always get the message, and the result was sometimes a painfully slow process of, of transformation. but they did persevere to their credit, despite the fact that they misunderstood so much, and Jesus was laying down some very hard teaching for them. They stuck with him and they pressed on through their misunderstanding and they had just enough faith to know that he was the son of God and so they stuck with him and they kept persevering knowing that surely the understanding will come and bit by bit it did of course when the Holy Spirit came just the floodgates opened God has promised us in such verses as Jeremiah twenty-nine thirteen that we will find God when we seek him with all our hearts. Our faith, our passion, our hunger for him is rewarded with the prize that we seek. He is not going to hold his spirit back. As we earnestly seek him, he is going to give us what we want, more of himself, a deeper knowledge of him, a deeper revelation of his kingdom. He is a loving father who has good gifts for his children, and that gift he will give us in double measure. And so we need to be more hungry. And certainly my prayer tonight for us all, for myself, is that my hunger would grow and grow for him. The guys want to come up so i want to know if we could just if we could just pray for a few things together and this isn't just about this ignite course this is true for growing in god full stop so whether we're reading the bible at home whether in our life groups whether we're seeking god on our knees or whether we're here on a wednesday night An encounter with the Holy Spirit puts us in an environment where we can hear His voice. It opens our eyes to see what He has for us and to hear His voice. We need to approach the Scriptures, not even as a book, but as a conversation with God. It's like the Holy Spirit has said so much to us already. Pages after page thousands and thousands of words and prophecies that are in the bible we just see it as there a conversation with him and so as we open the book and, and flip through the pages we're skipping through a conversation with him with an encounter with him so it's lord what have you got for me today what do you want to say lord Open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Father God, we just want to thank you so much that You have a vision of us that is like a mirror of your son, Jesus. You said that we were made in your image. Lord, and because of what you did on the cross, Lord, you can restore us. Back to what that image was. So, Father God, I pray that you would draw us closer and closer to yourself and build in us a hunger, Lord, that desperately seeks that. Lord, that we would be humbled to submit ourselves to this process of sanctifying, Lord, as your Holy Spirit transforms us from within. Lord, so I pray that you would open our eyes to see what you want to show us, Lord, that you would open our ears to hear your voice, that you would tune us in, Lord, to your frequency, Lord, and that you would tune out all the competing voices, the, the noise of the world, Lord, that we'd be able to hear your voice clearly, we'd be able to discern your voice among the others, Lord. Lord I pray that you would renew our minds, that we'd be able to understand, Lord, your truth, Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts to receive this, Lord, that we would allow you to do in us the work that you want to do. Lord, I pray that you would build our faith to step out into this truth, even before we've understood it. Just as as the disciples did, Lord, dropping their nets, leaving their livelihoods, they followed, even though they didn't always get it. Lord, and I do pray that our desire for you would supersede everything else, every other lust and desire we have, Lord. I pray, Lord, that our passion for you would rise up, that we'd feel it more than our need for oxygen, Lord, that our lungs would burn for you, every part of us would burn for you. As we come to recognize, Lord, without you, we are spiritually dead. Basically, Lord, we just need more and more of you. Come Lord.